Welcome back to the Wannabes, everyone. Nick Alfano, Christian Gange here. Happy to be back. With everything going on, we felt it was uh, best over the last two weeks to just take a step back, take a hiatus for everybody here at the Wannabes and all the listeners. But we're excited to be back. Great show planned. Great episode. My favorite interview to date, and all the guests have been wonderful, but to see the way that this kid's brain works, to hear about his career path thus far, and to see where it's going to go, we're excited to have on Christian's brother, Scotty Gange, ASU Cronkite grad and 2020 Jim Nance Award winner for Most Outstanding Collegiate Broadcaster. It's a great interview. We're not cutting any of it. We're giving, giving it to you straight, and we're excited to hear from him. Today's very special episode of the Wannabes podcast is sponsored by TJ Biographies. Do you have a grandparent who's lived a fascinating life? Maybe your grandfather fought in a war, your grandmother immigrated to the U.S. when she was young. We all have stories, and all these stories should be told while there is still time. TJ Biographies helps you create cherished video biographies of your loved ones. Through a process of professional filming and editing, their team ensures your family's heritage will be passed down through the generations. To preserve the memory of your grandparents' laughs, triumphs, and unique perspectives on life, visit www.tjbiographies.com today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, after a two-week hiatus, we are back with Sports Online 1. Hit it! <laughs> Here's the pitch to Lofton. Fly ball, center field. Erstad says he's got it. Erstad makes the catch! The Anaheim Angels are the champions of baseball! Toss to White. He's in! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! What a comeback! The San Diego Chargers announced this morning that after 56 years in San Diego, the team is moving to Los Angeles. And we are joined by a very special guest, arguably our most special guest we will ever have. That may be a slight bias due to the fact that he does in fact share a last name with me and is currently actually in this house with me recording in another room. Today, the Wannabes podcast welcomes on 2020 Jim Nance Award winner, Scotty Gange. Scotty, welcome to the Wannabes podcast. Thanks, man. It's funny. I, I hear you on the other side of the room. So it's like I hear you speaking and then I hear it out of my computer. So I'm going to have to like wait the extra second to hear it <laughs> from like 20 feet away. But thanks for having me, guys. It's fun to it's fun to be on the bees. Scotty, first, wow. congrats on the award. I don't think I, I texted Gange to send my congrats when we found out a couple weeks ago. But Truly, congratulations on that award. Huge accomplishment. You obviously beat out a lot of other accomplished people, and you totally deserved it. I mean, you, the fact that you're going to uh, Denver and, and the Denver market for your first job definitely shows, you know, how much you earned it. And, and you know, unbelievable job, man. Congrats. Thank you. Thanks. It's been a fun little whirlwind thing. I've, I did a little another podcast this morning, and I've had lots of people be reaching out and stuff. So it's it was a big change from that day, but it's been a lot of fun. It was hard to get you booked on this podcast, I'll say. It wasn't easy, but we, we managed to do it and fit the time in, and, and we're, we're excited to have you. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, tough tough to get my little brother on the pod, but hey, we did it, so good for us. But uh, a star now. But Scotty, obviously the, the main reason we want you on, despite all of your other accomplishments and going to Denver, is based on the fact that you just won the Jim Nance Award um, about a week and a half ago. 
I'd say. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone would be lit, would be very curious to know kind of how that process went for you. So when did you find out that maybe you're going to be a finalist? Um, how did you find out you won? And honestly, even at a high level, what is the Jim Nance Award for those who are uh, unfamiliar with it? Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll start, you know, I'll, I'll kind of talk to you, Christian. I know you probably know a lot of this stuff, but we'll talk as if, as if you don't know anything. Just but I, I don't, I don't. So okay. I, I am, I am curious to hear all of this. I've never heard it. So the Nance Award, basically, it started like 12 years ago as a way to recognize like collegiate broadcasters. And now it's, it like, it is dubbed as the Jim Nance Award awarded to the nation's most outstanding collegiate sports broadcaster. So um, it's popular for some of the bigger schools like, you know, Cronkite uh, at ASU and Newhouse at Syracuse and Missouri and schools like that. Um, and so I guess the process, like I, I applied all three years. I was a freshman, like honorable mentions. They have a top 20 and then they had at that time 10 honorable mentions and now they have like 20. So because they, they just recognize more people. But I was one of those 10 as a freshman. So I was super fired up. Um, the end of my sophomore year, I was number 16, which is really weird how they like rank it, you know, because it's so subjective. Um, and then, of course, this year I was lucky enough to be honored with it. Um, and so the whole process was like a week before I got a text from a CBS sports talent booker, which was kind of cool. And she was like, hey, uh, you're a finalist and the finalist <laughs> um, the ranking from six to two, you're dubbed an All-American. And then one, number one is the winner, of course. And so there, she says, hey, you're, you're, uh, you're a finalist. We're going to have all the finalists on the show next week. Can you, be, can you set up a time Thursday night at like 8 p.m. Eastern to check your Wi-Fi, check your connection, and then Friday it will be um, you know, t- noon your time? I'm like, yeah, of course. So then Thursday, the night before, I went on, and it was just me and some random guy. And he's like, all right, Scotty, your Wi-Fi looks fine. Uh, done. And I walked inside, and I said to Christian, I'm like, so it was only me on the, it was only me. And he's just like, no, but you don't want to get too carried away. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to get too carried away because I'm going to get Gotta all keep humble. Yeah. I, and and <laughs> I'm going to tomorrow and everybody else is going to be on there. Like maybe they just had different times. And so I went right. in the next day and it was recorded. They didn't air it until about 1:45, And th- this was at like noon. And it was, I, I could see the anchor. I saw Jim Nance's name pop up like in a two box next to my name. And then the CEO guy who announced it. And I didn't see any other kids. So I was texting my friend Rob and I was like, I was like, dude, I, I really think it's only me, but I'm not going to get like into it right now because I was super nervous. Of course, I didn't want to let myself believe it until uh, they actually like said my name. And as the guy was saying it, he was saying, uh, you know, for the first time ever from the school, I knew that ASU never had somebody win. And then in my ear, the producer said, stand by, Scotty. And I was just like, whoa. And then they said my name and they did the picture and then. Uh, you know, you probably saw the video where I was interviewed by him and then Jim Nance came on. And I talked to him too, but oh, it was awesome. So total it, it surprise, was, total surprise, total surprise. Like I thought so. I was just like, I totally think I, 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 the only kid here, but I'm not going to let myself believe it until I hear my name. And so it was right when the woman said, stand by, be, like, be ready. And I was just like, wow. So yeah, it was a surprise. Unreal. And then just to, to keep going on that, when you applied, did you, uh, send them a minute reel, a 10 minute reel. Like, did you reach out to anybody in particular? What was that application and submission process like to try to get your stuff in? You've done it three years, obviously, but yeah. this year you must've felt particularly excited about your chances. I felt good about it just because, you know, I felt good about my reel and, um, you know, I was getting good looks from like job opportunities and stuff. Um, but the, the submission is weird. You know, Nick, you know, like with a sports reel, you send out, sometimes people say like, keep it like three minutes 
and that's mm -hmm. it. You know, just show a little bit of stuff you do and make it short and sweet. But this one, it has to be like eight minutes at the oh, least. Wow. And you have to have like, if you're a play-by-play -play guy, which normally the award goes to play-by-play, -play, like you have to have like seven minutes of one sport on radio, five minutes of another sport on TV. If you are like a reporter like me, you have to have a full interview and then you have to have like a full story. And so like, it's not just like making a basic reel. So I had to, you know, I put in one of my, my favorite story, one of my favorite interviews I did. And then the rest of it, I kind of filled with, you know, anchoring, uh, reporting and commentary stuff. Wow. And so t in total, what? That was like 20 minutes. Was, I think it was just under 16 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know firsthand, I saw, yeah, I saw you working pretty hard on that um, once you kind of came home, once your school ended due to COVID. So. No, it's obviously not just you do the work. You actually have to put together pretty good reel, like you're talking about, to uh, to be to win. That, that's correct, right? Yeah, and l luckily, you know, I, I for jobs, right? I've made I've been making reels for so long, so it was only like flip flopping a few things around. Um, but yeah, you know, I sent it out to some of my friends and mentors, and was like, all right, you know, here's draft number one. What do you think? And they'd come back saying, you know, take out that question with the hockey guy. That what you know, that's just okay and you don't need it on there you know i would put the dusty baker thing earlier because you know it went two and a half minutes until i saw that interview and that's one of your best you know pieces you have so mm -hmm. uh, it's it's kind of like an art making reels which i think is really fun like it's a skill that you have to learn over time so luckily i going through school i knew that so every month in school i would make a new reel um you know as a freshman nobody really cares about your reel but over time it helped me to get better so hopefully that was probably the best reel i could have made like mm -hmm. just of the art and laying things out and laying out you know when am i going to have a funny thing when am i going to have a serious shot and how am i going to differentiate those as the you know 15 16 minute video goes on gotcha and i don't think a lot of people know just to, just to educate the viewers out there that you did all of this graduated from asu within three years so you know, you mentioned you submitted your freshman, sophomore in this year, and now you're going to work. So you did all of this within within three years. I mean, that's a, a really quick amount of time to hit this plateau, I would say, in my opinion, and for a lot of people in order to find your voice. I mean, you found your voice, I would say, very quickly. Uh, what would you attribute that success to, either in life in general or in anything you were involved with broadcast-wise at ASU? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I'm, I, people, I, a few people have asked me that question. I think it's kind of weird because I'm still trying to find my voice, and I'm mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. still so far away from where I want it, like want to be in terms of the the skills and you know finding a voice and and having that charisma. Wanna be, type, you know, did I hear a Wannabe's podcast? Wannabe's podcast. Shameless plug. Let's go. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess. Wow, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Funny. Oh, um, all right, well, good. But uh, like I was saying, like I think. You know, a lot of it is just kind of growing up and just being like a personable person and stuff like that. Like I try really hard to, to not really be a Mr. Broadcaster guy when I'm doing stuff and change up who I am. But the biggest thing and normally how I answer this is like um, when I hosted events at ASU, you know, Christian came for the ASU USC football game and there's like 70,000 people there at, at some points and I'm doing interviews or, I'm, you know, they say, Scotty, you have 90 seconds to say, you know, to break down the game and you're going to do it three times with different storylines and stuff like that. And you gotta be engaging, you have to get the fans into it, and you also have to be informative, but um, but not too informative. And so 
you know, it was 90 seconds of being, you know, as nervous as can be with 70,000 people kind of listening. Nick, I know you did. Um, I know you did that at USC, too. Yeah. And I just I said to myself and to my friends, like, if I can do that and and go and talk with, with the mic and with this camera lens and I know 70,000 people right here are watching and listening for the most part then going into a studio or doing an interview with somebody with, you know, my friend holding a camera and, you know, three people running production, like is nothing. So it really helped me, you know, I'm not, I'm no longer nervous, at least for the most part, probably once I go to Denver, I'll be pretty nervous uh, the first couple times, but, um, I just got to perform like with the absence of fear after, you know, after doing hosting stuff like that at ASU. Uh That's awesome. Yeah, Scotty, this is actually something interesting to me because I actually realized that I don't really even know the answer to this question. And it's something I thought I would being your brother, but maybe being away from school um, is kind of the excuse for why I don't. So when did you decide that you wanted to pursue a career in broadcasting? Because I know you did a little bit in high school, but at least to me, like it kind of came out of nowhere. You just started looking into it, looking into these programs. Kind of take us through like when this became a goal for you, or maybe it was just something you always dreamed of and kind of kept, um, kept on the inside. Well, it's like, I always, right. We always played sports and I always like, that was kind of like the life, you know, for a lot of kids growing up through high school, like playing sports and, and hanging out with friends is like all you do in life. Um, and so that's kind of all it was for me. And then once sports were over and I realized I didn't really care to play, you know, at a a division eight school and be the backup wide receiver. (laughs) which I would have been if I tried to you know, pursue the athletic uh, career. Um, I just started playing around with stuff. I liked hosting events at Tory at the high school. Um, and then I started doing like articles like about my friends and blog posts. And so I went to Cronkite to be a writer. Um, I, and because, you know, a mentor of mine at the time told me that he said, hey, if you're a writer, then they bring you on to the TV shows to talk. And I said, whoa, OK, I'll be a writer so that I can be on the broadcast. That'll be sweet not knowing that you could actually just do broadcast stuff. And then once I got to school, um, I started doing, you know, going in clubs and doing broadcast stuff. And I realized like as, as much fun and as passionate as I was about playing sports, like that was what consumed like my life from age zero to 18. Once I started doing the broadcasting thing, it was like a whole new level of, you know, excitement that it brought me um, and, and a passion to grow and, and, and earn new skills and learn from other people and ask others for help. Like I just played sports because it was fun. But once I was doing broadcasting, it was like an obsession almost to get better and connect with people and go work events and stuff like that. So it was just kind of once I started doing it, it, it just became so addictive to me. And was there any extra, any extra emphasis trying to do that at ASU with the access to the athletic department there. I mean, USC, from my experience, was great about letting kids into the athletic department to, you know, go to the football practices and do live shots, to go to basketball practice and interview guys and write articles, was one of the benefits of going to ASU in your mind as you're trying to track yourself along this path that you have the access to the prominent Arizona State Athletic Department for a number of different sports. Yeah, like kind of what what drew me to ASU is that what you're, what you're saying? Yeah. What drew you yeah. to ASU and and what what when you started pursuing writing and broadcasting was a part of was something in your mind like, you know, this is a perfect place to start because 
I'm a student here and they'll get, sort of give okay. me preferential treatment to have access to athletes that will at some point become big, but kind of already are because of TV deals and whatnot. Totally. And, and you know, it's, uh, I was actually speaking with a kid like an hour ago. He's thinking of going to ASU or another couple schools and he was asking about it. And he asked me like, um, you know, was it good to get internships? Did you do a lot of internships? And I kind of answered and, and this, people ask me in job interviews too, like I didn't really do many internships because you know, the student clubs at ASU, you could be a full-time reporter covering, you know, the Sun Devils and every sport you want. You can, like, you can do play-by-play stuff. You can go to the media availability. Like, it's, they treat you, the SIDs at ASU, like you are working for the NBC station, like the local NBC affiliate. Like, yeah. you, are a, you are a professional reporter in their eyes, um, or at least you're treated like that in terms of respect. And so for me, it was really fun because I got to go there next to the people that I was kind of watching on TV and, you know, Pedro Gomez would be out there every now and again, working different events, um, you know, of ESPN and there'd be like big name people there and, you know, Pac-12 network people. And for me, it was just like, okay, like what are they doing here that I'm not, or what can I do this week in this football broadcast or football highlight tape that they can't or won't. And so it just kind of fired me up because I was like, I, I saw myself, you know, as a freshman covering ASU baseball as a professional. Um, and I tried to treat myself as much as that. I know I, I wasn't getting paid and I was probably at a baseball game instead of, you know, out um, hanging out with friends on a Saturday night, maybe. But for me, it was like it was just, you know, I was there to compete almost. And so, yeah, and getting to do that and be a professional in my eyes um, and, and getting the same access that anybody would. Um, yeah, that was that was a really good thing for me and just all the opportunities I got to do really from day one at Cronkite. It sounds like just the, the, the excitement of broadcasting is what really has drawn you into this career path of in terms of just the work itself. But has there been any one particular person that you're either close with or maybe one in the sports media world that you sort of idolize that you've been drawn to that is mentally helped propel your career forward because it's something that you're trying to chase or it's someone that's giving you excellent advice? Mm. There's a lot of people like, and, and I never try to copy people, but I try to emulate traits off of, you know, certain broadcasters like Scott Van Pelt. Um, I watch, I study him when I'm watching SVP because mm -hmm. I like body language. You know, Scott Van Pelt has the best body language out there, I think. And so, you know, just the, whenever I watch him, I think to myself, okay, you know, I'd like to get that good at sitting at a desk. And when you turn the sound off and you're watching Scott Van Pelt, you want to turn the sound back on. Um, Andrew Siciliano, like when he when he's on the Red Zone channel, when he goes from one game to the next, he can have a short, witty, um, you know, segue. And so that just shows how great of a writer he is. And so with him, I'm saying, OK, if I'm going to do a high school, you know, highlight package from one game to the next, I would like to do it similar to Andrew Siciliano. How can I get to that point? And so I like to just take little bits and pieces off a lot of um, broadcasters that I enjoy. Some of them are big name guys and some of them might be students that I see something that I, that I like. Um, and then the biggest person is probably my mentor. He's a retired sportscaster, Drew Soicher, and he lives in Phoenix. Um, and his style, you know, that he was doing in the 90s and in the 2000s, like early 2000s, is what I'm trying to do right now. So he was kind of really like kind of fun and he would compare stuff to different things. He'd go crazy on commentaries in the sports world. And so, and you know, he, uh, I work with him a lot. And so we, we just kind of bounce ideas off of each other. So I, for the most part, Drew, I try to, I try to emulate the most, but every broadcaster that I enjoy, I take bits and pieces off of 
and kind of turn it into what I can do it in my in my own way that I just kind of got the uh, inspiration off of them. Wow, very interesting. So Scotty, I think the question I actually get the most as your brother and when people ask about you is what is what is Scotty's dream job? You know, what does he want to end up being? I think a lot of people think you might want to be a Joe Buck and calling the World Series and the Super Bowl. Some think Scott Van Pelt to host Sports Center. Um, some people think you should be on 60 Minutes. And I feel like the list can go on and on for the predictions people have given me of what they think your ultimate dream is. So uh -huh. you even just said you try and take bits and pieces from everybody. But is there someone that like is your dream job or is there a kind of dream job you have in mind that doesn't exist today that you hope to kind of create like down the line when you've, you know, hit your peak? Yeah, I guess, you know, I've told you this, the easy answer maybe is Ernie Johnson because I like, you know, I'd like to be a studio host, but, um, you know, it's, it's almost more along the lines of like an Anderson Cooper or like a Ryan Seacrest not like what they do, but how they do it. Because, you know, those like Seacrest, for example, he's got a radio show in the mornings and then he's going out doing feature stories for, you know, for a t uh, TV network. And then he's hosting American Idol that night. And so like, I don't know, I would like a position to where I can do a whole lot of different things to where I have like, you know, a, my own show or I'm hosting my own show type of deal. I can do something in the mornings. Um, I can I can feature and do a, a you know special story for a 60 minutes or something like that. Um, you know, I just I have a lot of dreams that I want to do. I'd like to host a game show one day. The Price is Right. I'd like to be <laughs> the Price is Right. Um, and and then you know, but like for right now, I'm just trying to to get as high up in you know local TV as I can because there's just like there's a million things I want to do. So you know my you know plan for the next couple of years is to do that and then try to get like a morning. Uh, radio show like in Denver or like a morning podcast that can be like a part of nine news or something like that and then like a monthly show where I have an idea where it's like a nine news like preps late show to where it's like um, kind of like a you know Jimmy Fallon show like once a month we have like you know an audience of like 20 people but the way the cameras would be it would make it look like there's 200 people we have a game of the week and bring in the winning coach that night and you know ask them about the game but have some fun too in terms of entertainment uh, i would do like a special commentary we do a week-long feature that we play on it it would be like a 30-minute specialty sunday night 10 p.m show so like there's not like one thing I want to do. Um, it's not play by play. People think when I when I'm in sports broadcasting, they think I'm an, an announcer, which is like a play by play person. But that's not what I want to do. Um, so it, it's like there's a million things I want to do. And so I just want the opportunity at a network or somewhere that I can do a whole lot of everything, if that makes sense. That, yeah. So you're, so you're saying you're not married to sports. You're not married to sports by any means, are you? So you're obviously sports uh, is kind of your ticket, but. I like entertainment. I'm doing sports because I love sports. I know it well. And especially as a younger person, you have more opportunity. I was captivated by that description, Scotty. Like, you know exactly, whether it happens or not, you were able to describe, like, to the T, exactly what you envisioned for that show at Nine News in Denver. Yeah. Like, no, you I can, can just, see it. You, yeah, you can just tell how you envision that. I mean, is are those ideas that come naturally to you or have have you been sort of prepping and writing things down and taking copious notes on different things that has led you to that like when you begin a thought process of what you see your future looking like or what you see a future show looking like would you say your mind is it comes more natural to you or it is just solid hours and days of preparation to get that end description that you just gave us 
I think it's almost natural, you know, it, but like I'd be lying if I said like, oh, you know, I just, you know, I just see it and then it happens. Right. Yeah. But I'm always just kind of not right. Not lately because I've been home and I've been, you know, sleeping in and watching the office for a couple hours every day. And um, but, you know, when I'm at school and, and once I move back out, I, I'm always just kind of like in the back of my head thinking of things to do. You know, that's where I get my best ideas is when I'm just like walking somewhere and I've been thinking all day and then it kind of hits me and I write it down like I have a special you know, notebook or folder and like a Google doc or something with all my ideas. And then, you know, I'll just kind of let the idea flow and I'll sit on it for a day and then I'll text it to a, like a friend or my mentor drew. And he's like, yeah, that's good. But why don't you do it like that? And then, and then, you know, a little tiny suggestion makes me completely turn it the other way. And then, you know, the hours that it takes is like finding, okay, like what are the little things that we're going to need? Like, you know, like if I'm, you know, I have this 30 minute show all planned out, I can see the shots, how we would start, you know, it'd be a low angle onto the, onto the crowd and we have them stand up and cheer and it'll be recorded. And we can plug that in later. Um, and we can do that like three times before we even start, but then it's like, okay, how am I going to get from, you know, I'm going to talk to this coach or something the first eight minutes. What are we going to do from minutes eight to 12 when I probably shouldn't be talking to somebody, but we're going to need something to be kind of fun and exciting because the coach might've been boring. So like it's stuff like that that like makes it that's why I really like it because there's like I love the intricacies of all that and for me it's like a it's almost like a art kind of um and that's how I am with like storytelling too and why I love you know doing feature stories on people because it's like what what type of camera angles can I get because I know I'm gonna say this witty line at this point like how can I use that shot or that angle um with with the sun you know silhouetting this guy to move to the next part of his life something like that so yeah, I'm kind of just always thinking about it and I just keep keep ideas like that in the back of my mind. Even like, you know, I have ideas for shots if I'm going to do a story and like a snowboarder. I, and, I you know, I haven't even met the snowboarder yet. But, you know, if there's a snowboarder that's also like a baker, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the, the snow. I'm gonna get, get, you know, he's going to stop right in front of me. The snow is going to go over the camera. And then as the snow goes over the camera, I'm going to have, a, a you know, a, a tight zoom in and slowly zoom out on the white cake. Right. So it's white snow and then you go into the white cake like. So I'm just always thinking about stuff like that. Um, it's kind of weird, like you know, other people think about other stuff, but I'm think I think about shots and segues and um, how to lay out stories and stuff like that. Crazy! I, just watching your mind work just now—that yeah. was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, as, as someone like myself, um, obviously not trying to pursue a career as a broadcaster by any means. So I think yeah. a lot of people are like myself and kind of just think when it comes to putting a show together, just a camera and a person and something to talk about. So that was really interesting to see that there are just so many more layers to it and probably something I understood, but definitely never knew how deep it was. So that was really I, interesting. I think, fun with for it. Everyone. You can, yeah. I, there's been times when I've been, I mean, I guess I could say I've been lazy. I've just walked in. I looked at the stats. I said, all right, let's just, let's just roll and I'll kind of rely on my ability to just kind of talk and we'll, we'll do it that way today. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I really like the small details because the little things make a big difference, you know? Yeah, I think that's probably what kind of separates you, I think, from uh, from your your peers, your competitors, let's say, where you really stand out. Scott, that uh, description, like, literally captivated me so much so that I forgot to be taking timestamp notes because I was just, like, so involved with what you're doing. Um, you got to produce and, your office job. Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> At the same time, dude, I feel the same way when I was watching your, like, LinkedIn snippets because that's how I would kind of get most of your content. Mm -hmm. um, like same exact feeling you kind of just get lost in it is there a video or a segment that you produced that you would consider your favorite that you thought like everything was articulated perfectly the story flowed seamless seamlessly like everything was there um and you thought 
that was actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, um, I thought at the time it was perfect. Now watching back, I I find several ways I could have made it better. But, you know, I did a story on a hiker. His name was Jeremy Ogle. And, um, you know, he, what, it was four years ago, he was in a drug and alcohol addiction. He was uh, was having, like, depression problems. He got in a terrible motorcycle accident, which eventually made him lose his arm. And then his daughter was born, like, four months after that. And... So I ran into him four years later and the story, you know, the background of it was the, the Cronkite school wanted me to do a story for an award. Um, and they wanted me to go to like high schools and, and go to one, you know, kind of, um, you know, private, nice high school and one uh, like local, not so nice high school. Um, and to, you know, compare them because they were like two blocks away. And I, you know, as much as I enjoy storytelling, I didn't really see much, you know, I didn't see the passion in, in that for me. And so I just said, I said, okay, I'm going to go to Camelback Mountain in Phoenix. It's a, you know, popular hiking trail, pretty difficult. Um, you know, I'm going to go at like six in the morning. There's always crazy people there. I'll find somebody, uh, maybe. So I went at six, I hiked up, you know, probably for 20 minutes, uh, just looking at different people. And then this guy sprinted by me, like full sprint down a very steep thing. And so I had to run after him, but I like, it's a (laughs) sprinting. I I fell on my leg, you know, because, you know, it's it's loose rock. It's a climate. So I'm running, I'm jumping from rock to rock, trying to get this guy. And he's so fast. And I finally get to the bottom. Thank the Lord he was stretching. And and apparently he never stretches, but he was stretching. And so I get to him. I'm all out of breath. I literally had to like grab him. I'm like, (sighs) what's that He's like, thinks I'm the weirdest guy in the world. You know, I just chased this guy down the mountain. Um, and, you know, I, I he told me a story. The next day, I spent like 13 hours with him. Um, I brought like eight different cameras. I hiked the mountain with him. I interviewed him halfway up the mountain at the top of the mountain. Uh, he does DoorDash at four in the morning. And so it was a long day. But, you know, I got to, and then I met his daughter and we went to the gym. And I don't know, it was just it was just an incredible story to tell because it was how can I get this amazing guy with all this stuff, right? Like one of those things that he did, like if he just had one arm and was hike and was, was a good hiker, it would be cool. If he had gotten over his depression problem, it would be cool. But it was like all of it, you know, a single dad story is sweet. Like all of it into four minutes. Well, also, you know, I was taking it like, how can I, I don't want people to judge him right away by seeing his one arm and, and see it as a disability story. So for the first like minute and a half, I, I, you you didn't know that he only had one arm and so it's like how can i get the shots that show him on this side and show his face without you know or just his feet walking so that people can get an idea for the for the person and not you know like um see it differently in terms of you know a disability story which is uh which people kind of latch onto sometimes but you know and he was just an amazing guy and i got to tell the story and so i was really proud about that one i learned a lot um doing it just in terms of how to structure a story and how to how to be a really good writer in that sense unreal scotty unreal yeah, yeah fascinating. So that was a good one we're still friends um and his daughter was super sweet and so he when i won the award he like posted a cool thing on instagram it was like congrats to scotty like so happy for you man and his daughter was kind of featured on the little video so he he was pretty pumped up about that oh, so. awesome awesome yeah i i think that like maybe it's stories like that that make you stand out so while the average person would have gone to the high schools and honestly probably could have put together a decent story that would have got some views finding something where you chased a guy down a mountain. I didn't even know that. That's how you got him. <laughs> um, thought you'd reached out traditionally, but where you stand out. And I know in your reel also, what stands out to people is you were juggling while doing a story. You were throwing classic. cards while doing a story, just mm-hmm. some classic, classic ways to mix it up. 
Um, is that a, something that you are always kind of thinking of? Like, how can I be unique and come up with something no one ever has done? Like, where you're juggling or throwing cards to tell a story? Yeah. Um, my mentor, Drew, always says something. You know, he's like, he's like the, the, the world is full of good sportscasters, but there are very few great ones. So he's like, you have to do everything you can to be great rather than good. Um, and so, you know, I'm still, of course, on that quest. And I, I have a long way to go. But, you know, a good way of doing, of saying the probability of ASU going to the NCAA tournament um, is, you know, standing up there with a graphic over my left shoulder and describing it. Um, but, a, you know, a, a, perhaps a great way is by showcasing it. For, for me, I was utilizing a strength and a party trick, which is juggling. Like, I can look into people's eyes and juggle and not look at the balls. And so I just said, okay, I can read them and do that. Um, and so it was kind of a silly way to do it. But it was just different and memorable. So whenever I'm doing stuff, even if it's as simple as writing, you know, spending that extra minute to write my sentence a little better, because um, the best writers are the best broadcasters, in my opinion, um, it's like the a great thing or, you know, have a better lighting that shows some, some, uh, you know, emotion of sadness, you know, you make it a little darker and get the triangle on their eye or on their cheek, you know, in terms of light. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just, it's just finding ways to just make things like 1% better. I love that writing analogy because I really think, like you said, the best writers make the best broadcasters. I mean, it's, it's famous around, ESPN, how Keith Olbermann, you know, he hosted the the first ever sports center that really gained like huge national traction. And he used to be able to write the script for the entire 11 p.m. sports center in five minutes. He would just write the entire script done like the most mm -hmm. eloquently written script in the world because I've met and talked with a lot of his producers at ESPN. And they're just they were in awe because they're like, no way you're actually done with the script already five minutes in. And he would just sit there for the rest of the time and kind of toy with it and see what else was going on. But I mean, he is obviously one of the most beloved, fantastically skilled sports broadcasters ever. And it was really, in, in my opinion, due to not only great presence, but but his writing. So I think that was that's well said. And, and on that note, I just have one more question and we'll let you go. I could listen to you talk all day, but I have to ask and I'd be remiss if I didn't. Uh, about your interview with Jim Nance when you won the award. Yeah. I know we're lapping back here, but similar to the fame of Keith Olbermann, Jim Nance is one of those guys that we all just dream about almost being Jim Nance and having the opportunities that that guy's had. I assume you would love to do some of the work that he's done, You know, maybe not have his exact career path, but what was it like to get that recognition, not just by name on the award, but being able to talk to him on a CBS broadcast and get that recognition. It was, it was pretty cool, right? It was, um, it, <laughs> I mean, it was really cool. And we've been emailing a little bit back and forth, which is, I mean, it's like, I, um, I was in a friend group chat and, you know, Jim Nance said, Hey, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, let's get lunch when I come to Denver. And he sent that the email too. And my friends were like, did Jim Nance just ask you to hang out? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> thought, it was pretty surreal. Um, but, you know, it, it almost humanizes him. At least for me, it did. I'd, I'd seen him do the masters and all these, you know, big things. Right. And then here he is just sitting in his house, just how I was sitting at home, like talking, like, you know, he's just congratulating me and being a kind person. So mm -hmm. you just, it, I think that's why sports reporting too is so cool. Cause you see these people sometimes and you're like, Whoa, they are like, uh, like they must be so cool or so larger than life. And then you realize they're just people that, you know, have a passion that, you know, that they just happen to be really good at. So yeah. 
Well, you'll have to you'll have to update us when you actually have lunch with Jim Nance in Denver because I'm I'm yeah. wild curious, and I assume it's going to be because of a Broncos game that is going to be on CB. Maybe there will be a golf tournament out there, but I got to guess it's going to be a Broncos game this year. So I'm sure we'll have some good stories. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm I'm mainly excited when we go to just look around the table and see like if people are like staring at us, like to like just just like you know I'll have hey, lunch that's the and hit nine news guy. like yeah hey, just, just like, fall for nine news. <laughs> no, but like to see like you know if you know you I'm guessing there's gonna be like especially the older group will be like kind of see them texting and peeking over like is that really Jim Nance? Like yeah. it'll be kind of a fun thing to just be. I don't know how long we'll be at lunch for, but like 45 minutes just to have 45 minutes like in that life seeing. Everybody kind of peeking over at at him. I think will be pretty neat. Scotty, I know Nick said last question, but this is the last last question. Last question from me. You excited to get to Denver? Ready to get this career going? Yeah, man. I'm. It's you know I think nine news. Everyone's gonna. It's it's like a you know there's so many great professionals there, which I'm really excited about. Just getting to shadow people and and learn off people. I'll be doing lots of production stuff, which I'm excited for. Um, but the sports team there is fantastic. Get to learn. Just get to learn off of people. You know, and 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 grow in the skills, right? Cause talent you only everybody has so much of, but skills you can grow and grow and grow. And so there's so many people there that know so much more than me. And so I'm just excited to to see it all happen there. Well, that's awesome, Scotty. I know we've uh, obviously this podcast is called the Wannabes Podcast. We've uh, had a couple of guests on starting their careers and excited to see people getting it going. I think you have already had some success in your career. So while you're just getting started professionally clearly have had some great success already and i know me as your brother as your friend and nick and trend probably one of these podcasts can't wait to see where your career goes can't wait for you to become a household name within probably two years knowing you um once you get there so scotty thanks so much for the time and uh best of luck when you start your career out there in denver thank you guys i love the wannabes podcast it's a pleasure to be a part of the bees appreciate it scotty <laughs> thank you man 2020 Jim Nance award winner Hell of an interview with our boy, Scotty Gange. Really appreciate him coming on the pod. Three years in the making at ASU. Can't wait to watch him at Nine News in Denver and see what other endeavors he goes out upon with his career. Really excited. Thanks again, Scotty. Appreciate it. Thank you once again to our sponsor, TJ Biographies. Check out the website, tjbiographies.com today. And as always, download, rate, subscribe to our pod, go follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, tell your friends, leave us a comment. You can roast us as long as you give us a five-star rating, we'll take it. But thanks again, everyone, for listening and looking forward to another pod next week.